welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. I'm getting older and the heat, you know, heat, the heat used to not bother me at all, but the older I get, I'm, I'm pushing 50. So the older I get, it, uh, it takes a toll on me now. It bothers me. And that's why I could never live down there. What's the temperature up there? I think the high today was like 80, <laughs> low eighties, something like that. It was humid, but cause it rained. But low eighties would be glorious. But like this morning it was. I don't want to say chilly, but it was a cold rain. So even though it wasn't like if you were standing outside under cover, you know, it was a little warm, but you got out in that rain. It got, got chilled down pretty quick. That'd be nice. I'd like to hunt some of that stuff this time of year. <clears throat> yeah. Like I said, I, I don't like hunting up here yet alone down there. All them daggum snakes. Uh, somebody oh uh, um i was talking with daniel Selker yesterday mm-hmm. um the the that does the yeah. hounds tooth podcast yeah and we were just texting back and forth and uh uh he said uh he said something about mentioned me on the the podcast that they just they had just recorded a podcast mm-hmm. the night before and he goes yeah we mentioned you on there you and all them snakes i was like man it ain't that bad i think i think i I think I popped 11 the last hunt I was on. Um, <laughs> yeah, nope. You, uh, the, the bad thing around here, this time, right now, we get, we're getting more rain than I, I can remember getting this time of year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when it's hot and dry like this and it's, you know, it's over 100, when you go to a water hole, everything is at that water hole. Yeah. You know, oh, I, bet. I mean, you can't, you can't, we just go in, we just go in guns a blazing and, uh, and then just wade off. And I usually, I usually try to wade off into the water with the dogs that way. Um, I'm right there. We, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if I, some of them cottonmouth, if you get just depending on the time of the year when they're in their mating season, if you get close to them, they will, they will come at you. They'll come and try to get in your boat. They'll, be two or three of them and they'll swim. I mean, we've smacked at them with our fishing poles and boat paddles and shot them and, and, uh, kicked at them. Uh, they're pretty aggressive. So I always nope. walk into, the, I always try to walk into the hole, the water hole with the dogs. Even if it, you know, last weekend we walked into a water hole to cool the dogs off. Uh, Bama got in kind of deep and got tree going across the cornfield. And when them dogs go in that corn running the coon, it is smoking hot oh, in yeah. that cornfield. Mm-hmm. So once we got the tree searched and all that, um, we, uh, I walked him in probably all, probably a little over, over my knees so that he could swim around and cool off. And, and, uh, and I usually take my light off and just douse my head and, head and shirt with, with whatever water we're in just to cool down myself. Cause no kidding. The heat kind of heat you got, you have to. Yeah. And it's so humid. <clears throat> I mean, we were, man, I, I, the first tree we made, we were drenched, soaking wet with sweat. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's either that or stay at home. <clears throat> and I can't do that. <laughs> as much as I like <laughs> to hunt, I, I don't have it that bad. 
Well, you know, we've I, back back when we were duck hunting pretty hard. We've seen snakes in December, January. So, I mean, they're slow, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, you get up and we we use them old um, layout blinds. Yep. And uh, you go to an old rice field or something and throw them layout blinds on the side of the rice field. And when the sun comes up, you know, you lie will look over to to either side and it'd be a you know a cottonmouth that'd come out trying to sun, you know get some sun. Yeah. And. Uh, they they usually don't strike, but they'll be laid up there on a on a log or up on the bank trying to get some sun. Mm-hmm. We just kick them out of the way. Keep nope. going. I am not a snake fan. Yesterday, what day was it? I don't know. Two or three days ago at work, we have an older an older building that doesn't really get used, and I walked in there, and I was trying to check the the water had been shut off, and I wanted to see if the guys had shut turned the water back on. So I was just walking in the bathroom to check and see if there was water. And sitting on, on top of the toilet was a big old, I don't know, five-foot black snake. And yeah, <laughs> black snakes, I realize, are not poisonous, nothing super harmful by any means. But still, you, you're you inside just not expecting to see a snake. And here's a daggum black snake. And then I sat there and I watched that sucker go down the toilet. And he knew what he was doing. It wasn't like he frantically was trying to get away from me. He just went right down, stuck his head in the water, and just out the toilet he went. And I was just like, that sucker knew he could do that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, I, imagine, imagine sitting there when he come up the other way. Exactly. I told my boss, I said, we, we have to uh, get the electricians in here. I said, we have to create some sort of faulty wiring and burn this place to the ground. <laughs> and he goes, what in the world are you talking about? I said, and I explained everything. And he just laughed at me. He's like, oh, you're not a fan of snakes? I'm like, no. Especially not ones that go down the toilet. Yeah. I, I, and I wouldn't want that. But we get, man, there's so many snakes here. Especially with us having a small farm. We've got, my wife's got around 100 chickens. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sure. And, you know, some days we get, you know, 30 plus eggs. Of course, we have to collect every day or they start cracking. And, and uh I don't know how many times we've gone out at night and, you know, I just get in a hurry. I get my egg bucket and I run in and I just start scooping eggs out. And I couldn't tell you how many times I've reached in to get eggs and, and it'd be a, you know, chicken snake or a rat snake or a black snake laid up in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of these days, I guess that I could reach up in there and catch a cotton mouth but, or a copperhead. But so far it's just been, uh, uh, and it, the chickens are pretty good about, about letting you know, but, there's been several times at night. Of course, they're roosted up. So, yep. Uh, but we just drag them out of there and throw them out in the bushes somewhere. Nope. There's I, a reason I, I don't like. Tell you how, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been bitten by dead gum chicken snakes. <laughs> Getting them out of the barn. My wife is terrified now. She sees a snake. Everybody in the county don't know it. She's screaming. <laughs> and I just go in there and grab them up and toss them out in the weeds somewhere and go on about it. I'm one of those people that uh, the only good snakes are dead snakes. So, <laughs> uh, some of them. I mean, we, you know, like when we when we were squirrel hunting um, back when I used to go down to the Delta a lot, squirrel hunting the North Delta and down uh, where Mark's cabin is at. Mm-hmm. We we had to deal with rattlesnakes a lot, big big rattlesnakes a lot, and we usually dispatched them. Um, just because they're so dangerous. But, I mean, you know, if I run up on a cottonmouth and, and I ain't got nothing else to do and the dogs ain't treated, I get bored and we'll go around. 
we'll just go around some of the most slews on the side to side with whiskey drink in one hand and 22 in the other. And, <laughs> and, you know, armadillos, possums, snakes, whatever, you know, whatever we run up on. Thin out the, uh, the problems. Yeah. That's where I get most of my hunting. I've got about 16,000 acres of, of farmland that I, that I hunt on in the different, you know, different farms naturally. But, and that's how they all started out. It's big turkey country here. Okay. And, uh, most everybody knows I, I, what I do for a living. I'm, I'm fortunate that I I work on, I mean, I hate to say it, but I work on like the who's who vehicles. You know what I'm saying? I work yeah. on all the police cars and sheriff department cars and some of the highway patrol stuff and ambulances. And of course, all of their wives and their kids, we, we give them a safe place that they can send their wives and kids to get work done and not have to worry about anybody ever tampering with them, you yeah. know. Um, and, and I also do all the farmers for the mm-hmm. same reason. And, and uh, so over the years, I've been just one, one job 18 years. And, and over the years, I've just, you know, they come through. They, they all want to know, you know, oh, yeah, I'm running dogs. And <laughs> they tell somebody and they, you know, you know, farmers talk and everybody talks and they'll say, oh, man, I'm coming to tear my corn feeders up. And how do you get rid of them? I'll call Garner. He'll come down there. Yeah. And uh, my, 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 my big thing is when people come and ask me, they're like, man, you know, if, if y'all tree coons, are you shooting them? I'm like, look, if that's what you want, if we tree six coons, I'll shoot all seven of them. I, I'm down for, <laughs> I'm down for whatever. You know, I, yep. I like to make it, I like to make it rain. I mean, um, we used to, we used to blast them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, doubles. You know, a lot of folks get on get on social media and they're like, I only kill one coon out of every tree. And I'm going to tell you something. When them folks come here and hunt with me, they don't tree, they don't keep shoot just one coon out of every tree. Yep. They shoot whatever's up there. They they get trigger happy and they get excited and then big tailgates go to uh, dancing in the back of their heads. And, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I just let them, you know. I didn't let them blast whatever you 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 kill you kill a coon down here and ten come to his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can just do whatever. I mean, we've shot, we've had nights where we've killed. I don't know how many hunts we've had where we we we've knocked out fifteen or sixteen coons and yes. and left some, you know, and left some. And, yeah. Um. We looked at we looked we hunted behind the Mississippi River levee one night on ten thousand acres, and it was flooded. Um. So about. 6,000 of it was underwater, some deep and some, you know, was weightable. But yeah. um, we, we went in by boat. It was like five miles of boat ride. And, and we just dumped the dogs. I had my old Crockett dog and I had Chrome. And we just dumped one on either side of the canal. And then we looked at 40 that night and killed 23 of them. Jeez. Yeah, we hunted. We went in about 8.15 and came out. As a matter of fact, the duck hunters, uh, were putting their boat, launching their boat at the boat ramp when we was coming up to shoot to <laughs> to leave that morning, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a blast. We ran out of food, ran out of whiskey, almost ran out of bullets. We was just having a. <laughs> it was cold. The dogs were tired. I'd oh, do I it bet. every night if I could. Do it every night. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. And you know, I go to Ohio. Not maybe not every year, but almost every year, and I hunt for three or four days out there, and that's kind of the way we are out there because. The guy that got me started, Mike, he, uh, he doesn't hunt real hard, especially now he's older, has a hard time getting out. So he pretty much only hunts if he's got somebody to go with him. And so there's three or four days we put a hurting on, on the coon just because he's not going to be out there much 
too much after I'm I'm gone. So I think last year we shot five or six out of one tree and there was a hedgerow. And it's literally a couple trees on one side, a little creek, and then a couple trees on the other side. And because of his limited mobility, we only went down maybe a thousand yards, maybe. And we killed eight coon out of there. And then we turned around and walked back to the truck. <laughs> I try it. Those are the fun huh? <clears throat> That's kind of, I mean, that's what I go for, really. I mean, I, I know a lot of folks get on, again, they get on social media and they, they say one thing. Oh, if your dog's got to have a lot of coons, it ain't worth having. Well, I don't care. I, I don't care how many dead young coons dogs got to have, whether it makes it a dog or not. I, I want to shoot coons. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I, I like shooting. I mean, I'm like, I mean, my wife tells everybody she's got three kids, and I'm the oldest one. I, yep. you know, I, I mean, I, I like smelling the gunpowder, and, and I like, man, I mean, if you ever get a chance to come down here and hunt, I, I guarantee one thing. Even even if we don't do nothing, we're going to have fun, and mm-hmm. I'm going to – I my dogs have to be a special type of dog to stay here because I am loud. I poop and holler and yell and scream and <laughs> – and I mean, I sound like I'm in a WWE uh, wrestling match every time the dogs get treed, and I see two or three coons up there. I just get fired up every single time. And uh, trust me, it's on it's on the list of, of places <laughs> to come. And uh, you know, here behind my house, um, there's three or four different farmers that own all this land that that I back up to. It can say it wraps around my house on one side, and then. It goes from highway to highway, and roughly, I can't really, I don't know exactly how many acres it is, but asking the farmers, it's roughly 5,000 plus acres that I live on right here, Jeez. and um, it's a lot of corn. And of course, it's beans, but it's a lot of corn, and in between each cornfield is a, a, a what I call a canal. It's just a big drainage, but it's maybe mm-hmm. 10 foot deep and, you know, 10, 10 foot wide, 12 foot wide. Um, and it's got Ford going through every one of them so we can crawl. They, they have to have the way to cross the combines through. But Okay. Um, there's maybe 20 or 30 yards of trees on either side of the canal, and it's just far as you can see. And uh, we ride the side-by-side side up down in cornfields, and, and you can shoot as many as you – I mean, if they're moving, I mean, if they're moving, they're moving good. And, uh, I mean – you know, folks come here to hunt. I, you know, I know you've probably seen me put out um, open invites oh, yeah. for people, people to come here and hunt. I don't care what kind of dog they have. I prefer young dogs because it's a, it's a good opportunity mm-hmm. um, for people to bring you know young dogs. And I had some guys last year. I can't remember what time of the year it was. But they came from, I think they came from Alabama. I never met them. <clears throat> they got a hotel. We we hunted. Well, I hunted four nights. The first night I was by myself, and then they showed up. We hunted two nights, and then I hunted the fourth night by myself. Um, and we looked at thirty-nine coons here. Wow! Uh, I mean, it's just, and you know, I mean, there's no telling how many that that we didn't see, would you know, that didn't look mm-hmm. at us riding around. And that's what that's how I that's how I work these young dogs. I I bump them out in front of my side by side, and and uh. Man, I just, I fix me a good drink and I ride these field edges and shine with that red light. And I'll shine, you know, I see a coon shining a couple hundred yards ahead of me. I stop and I cut the dogs that way. Yep. And, and you know, 
I mean, the tracks are real short because the coons are coming out of these corn and they're going right up the tree. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting on me to go by so they can go back, you know, to the corn pile, corn field. So, uh, but that the explains how you get these young dogs doing cranking so quick. I mean, also you just put a lot of time into them, but you've got a target-rich environment with a ton of ground. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, any of these farms that I take a young dog to, I can put them in. I can put them in squirrels or coons, um, you know, I mean, sick. even on some of our public ground. Back when I was squirrel hunting a lot on our public ground, we've taken groups in there like me and Terry and, and, and a lot of other guys. That, you know, we would have people come hunting with us and we would we would split up and we would hunt the same section of woods. Hang on just one second. My mm-hmm. son come in because he's having an emergency. Sorry about that. My youngest one. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm in my gun room so that I, because I've got my niece, my nephews here, the kids up the road. Everybody comes to the farm. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, look, I'm gonna be doing a. I'm gonna be on the phone for a little while. I'm gonna go in my room and I'm gonna shut my door. Only if it's an emergency. And when the door <laughs> opens, he's like whispering, "It's an emergency." <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. not a big deal. Before we get too much further in this, because we've already made it a little while into this, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, uh, my name is Jeremy Garner. I'm from By Hell Yeah, Mississippi. Uh, I'm right around 46. Married for been my wife 25 years. Got two kids. Uh, Hunter's my oldest. He was a senior this year. Briar Cole is my youngest. Um, he's kind of feral. Uh, <laughs> he's he's like eight eight or nine years old. I think I think he's eight going on nine. That's a good um, way to describe your own child he's kind of feral he is very feral he growl he'll growl at you um he'll he'll hiss at you um he runs me and my neighbor were watching him uh we were doing some work on the excavator and he came over to where we were at and i you know i said look i can't watch you in the excavator so just go back to the house until i get done then i'll let you come operate for a little while he was barefoot and he mm-hmm. tore out down a gravel driveway running wide open. I said, there's no, you know, no way I could do that now. But yeah, yeah, I call him, we call him the feral. He's the feral kid. Sounds like a typical second child. I got one of them. He's a little wild. Yeah, yeah they're, I, you know, both my kids are just regular old country boys. They hunt fish, you know, hunters likes to mud ride and him and his buddies, they're, they're 16, 17 and they're, they're trying to, uh, Work there. Hunter's got a dirt bike, and he's trying to trade a dirt bike for a fishing boat so that they can, <laughs> you know. Which I mean, I'm glad that's what they got on their mind. There's so many other things that you know they could be getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, when he gets into some stuff, I mean, you know, they, they, his group of buddies, they're getting into going to parties and getting into fights and you know, typical teenage stuff. Which you know, I mean, it's just it's just how boys should be growing up. Mm-hmm. We try to we try to give them some. Uh, we try to let our kids make their own decisions. We just try to guide them in a in a good direction. Yeah, but we still let them make the decisions whether they're you know we agree with them or not as long as they're safe. You know, um, we're we're pretty open when it comes to raising our kids. We don't let them run just but wild, but. Uh, I never had none of that growing up, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to. Uh, I grew up a lot different than a lot of folks, so I'm trying to trying to give mine some freedom. 
No, it sounds like your boys have a have a pretty good life, that's for sure, from talking to you and just watching, you know, I've been friends with you on Facebook for a couple of years now and just kind of watching what, you know, your antics and their antics and everything you guys get into and accomplishments. It's always, and, it's always something going on. Yep. We, uh, and that's the whole reason that, you know, I mean, as a parent, that's, I mean, you know, you, you do stuff so that um, your kids can have better than what you, that's what, that's what I want. I, I think that's what parents should want out of life is for one to be happy with their spouse, but two to make it so where their kids have better opportunities than what they had, Mm -hmm. you know, same thing, same thing with pups, you know, uh, you, you want every pup you get to be better than the next. Uh, and that's same thing I want for my kids. You know, I want my kids to have it, to be better and to be better than me and be a better man than me and a better father than me. So, um, I'm trying to teach them, Better than I was taught. Yeah. Man, look and at you getting goes, deep. Hunting. Getting these oh, life yeah, lessons. Well, look, I, I, <laughs> I, sometimes, sometimes I sit around and I do what I call thinking drinking. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, you know, I mean, I, I can get pretty deep into stuff sometimes. Uh, I, I try not to, uh, you know, too much, but. No, that's good stuff for sure. Well, if we're going to get deep into something, let's get deep into these albino brindles. Albino brindles. Well, you're going to have to explain what an albino brindle is because most people listening are going to be very confused. Well, so well, back back when I first started, I got my first registered um, cur and, and really got into it uh, pretty deep, which it, everything I do is is 150%. I, I don't know how to do anything. 80%, you know, or 50%. It's just not in my DNA. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm wired different. I'm not programmed that way. But so when I got into it, <clears throat> I, I like the black, really dark brindle, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, the brindle dogs or black dogs. That's just, that's just what I like. And, and I, I never, I mean, I just did not like a yellow dog. And I always said, I'm just, I just don't like them. I don't want to own one. I, there was many years I said, I will never, I will never own a yellow dog. And one of my close, <laughs> closest, one of my closest buddies, he don't hunt anymore. He, he's, uh, we, we, we called him, uh, I called him my red Mexican because he was, uh, he was, family was from Mexico, but he was born here in the Air Force. And, and, uh, so we, I called him my, my red Mexican buddy and he had <laughs> a, a double, um, grand pup to Shiloh's chipper. Yeah. Uh, big, big old, beefy yellow dog huge wind and nose um he didn't have much of a mouth but uh, we man we killed so much game with him and i teased him all the time i was like man i don't even know how you tote that thing around in your truck the way he looks i said you know <laughs> I, so I, I there for a while i would tell folks you know well, i'd go to a hunt and when i go hey look i've got some brindle spray paint in the toolbox there take care we we can take care of this uh, you know this mess out here that you're hauling around um, and it just one day, uh, I think me, my buddy's name was Aaron, me and Aaron and uh, a couple other friends, we were at one of our hunts down at our old barn uh, where we were having our competition hunts at and we were laying around and, they, and somebody asked me, like, how do you, how do you go hunting every night with that yellow dog as much as you hate him? And I said, that, that dog ain't yellow. I said, he's an albino brindle. 
I said, I can go hunt with him every night. And I mean, look, it, 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 the whole place just busted out laughing and and it stuck. I mean, Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you how many people have, have commented or, or, you know, said something to me about calling them albino Brendel. And when I, when I started trying to find something, you know, there for, there was a couple years, about two years, I didn't have a dog. And, and, uh, Crockett even, every litter, he had, which I didn't breed him much. He just, he wasn't a good reproducer, as good of a dog as he was. But every litter, he put one dead gum albino brindle. And that's what I told folks. They were teasing me so bad. Yep. You know, that's karma for somebody that does not like yellow dogs. The best dog, your best coon dog, is putting a yellow dog in every litter. And I kept telling them, they ain't, they ain't yellow. Them's albino brindles, boy. I mean, <laughs> y'all, y'all can say what you want to, but, uh, and dead gum. They they turned out they them them two turned out to be the best of the bunch. Well, one of those is uh, the dog Kyle Baker was talking about Sam, right? Yeah, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam. Sam was the second litter of uh, my my big Sue female, which she was all Kimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have, she didn't have Kimmer papers. Um, there was one cross way back somewhere. Um, one of the females came from like a trade days dog sale. Okay. Um, so I don't know where down the line, but anyway, she, she didn't have, it, it was the only cross that didn't have, that wasn't Kimmer. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say what that one dog on those papers were because I vowed to not speak its name. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then I crossed her with my Crockett dog. He was, I would say roughly half old stock busher and half Kimmer, which, you know, it come to, to folks just called it old stock, but yeah. I crossed them. I crossed them two dogs because me and Tim Cope actually bought big Sue, um, to breed and to hunt because she was a fantastic reproducer, huge ball, squally ball mouth. She had big motors. She would, she would go as, as deep as, I mean, as deep as you needed a dog to go. Mm-hmm. Um, when I crossed into the first time, I actually rode up to Jamestown and, and picked uh, Sue up. She was at uh, Matthew Hall that owned uh, the uh, tree knocking ammo dog. Okay, he had bred Sue to ammo, and uh, when she weaned the pups, I went and picked her up and brought her brought her home. And um, next time she come in, I crossed her on Crockett, and uh, at like day. What do they carry him? Sixty-three days, I think. Yep. So it was like day seventy-one, Holy something like smokes. that. I, I, you know, I called Tim. I said, "Man, is she is not? She just must have been a false pregnancy. She blowed up pretty big." But um, I went down to feed. It was like day seventy-one or seventy-two. I went down to feed, and she wouldn't come out of her barrel. And I thought, well, you know, maybe she's sick. I'm, I'm gonna take her to the vet and. And I reached in and grabbed about a collar, drug her out of that barrel. And when I did, a, a dadgum pup flopped out on the concrete. And it, it was, damn, albino brindle. And I looked in, the, I, I kind of peeked up inside there. And I said, there was remnant of another pup. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming she, she ate half part of it. Yeah. Um, and this, this brindle, uh, albino brindle pup popped out on the concrete. And, and I didn't know, it could have been in there for a day or two. And I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never looked in the barrel. You know, I never seen a mess. So I'm guessing she had that had it inside the barrel because there was no mess on the concrete. 
And uh, I just whipped out my pocket knife and laid it on the concrete and just, I just uh, drug my blade across and chopped its tail off and throwed it back in the barrel. And, you know, and I said, well, I mean, if that's all I'm going to get, that's all I'm going to get. I'll just, you know, I be honest with you, I was going to cull it. Mm-hmm. My wife threw a fit. And uh, <laughs> so I traded it for, I don't know, I think I traded it for a twenty two pistol or something. And uh, that is the shine dog that Luke Mitchell owns. Okay. Um, he made his rounds a couple of times. I ended up getting him back. Um, so I crossed him again the next time she come into heat, wanting, you know, wanting to get me a Brennell pup off the, the two or a black pup. And yeah. the second cross, she had four pups, second cross, uh, two males, two females. Uh, I gave a pup to Tim, uh, Tim Cope. Mm-hmm. I gave a pup to Tim. I kept a huge brindle female. Um, John Mears and Matt Balk went in together and got the other female. She was black with brindle trim. And then there was one albino brindle in the bunch uh, stuck out there like a sore thumb. And and Kyle wanted a male. And <laughs> there was only two males. We know one brindle. And, of course, Tim, Tim, me and Tim was in. on So Tim got to pick. But Tim took the, the brindle male. And, Yep. And, uh, you know, I called Kyle and he said, look, I don't want one, but, you know, if that, that's the only way I can get a pup out of that cross, I'll take it. Because he had came over here to two different times and hunted with both parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, both of them, huge ball mouth, big ball locate, big hunting dogs, you know, big winding dogs. And, and that's Sam. Um, Kyle is, is uh, Kyle is the, the, when you want somebody to get a pup from you, Kyle is who you want to give a pup. Mm-hmm. I would I would give Kyle a pup off of anything. If, if he called me and says, hey, I don't know what you got, but I want a pup, he could come over here and get any pup he wanted from me. Uh, it wouldn't cost him a dime because I know he's going to put the time into it. He's got the game to do it. He knows what to look for. And, and if it's not going to work, he's like me. He knows what needs to happen, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and out of them four pups, uh, Tim's pup went to a hog hunter. He just didn't, just didn't, something about the pup he didn't like. It went to a hog hunter. Uh, the other female got traded around and bred. Uh, and and last I found, she was dead. And then uh, the pup I kept, I, to be honest with you, Crockett just wasn't as good a reproducer as Sue was. Crockett just couldn't. Couldn't carry his half, mm-hmm. and and I gave her to my cousins, and they still have her. Um, they use her for a blood tracking dog. I okay. think she's probably eight eight year old now, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, she just was she just was slow, slow on the track, you know. Okay, um, which works good for a blood trailing dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course Sam. Both times I crossed them pups, both the albino brindles were the only pups that really made. <laughs> I mean. You know, so when it came around to, you know, after we went through the whole, uh, uh, the uh, the shine pup was the only, besides our house dog, he was the only dog to come out of the tornado. Yeah, um, which we'll just pause this right here and just say, if you uh, don't listen to, hang on, what is the, what is Daniel's podcast? The uh, Drawing a Blank. Cougarhound Confidential? Yes. Because you were on there and you you told and it was 
not a typical episode for him, but all you guys talk, you guys went over like their whole tornado experience, which will send chills up your back if you haven't listened to it. So definitely go listen to that. That was the, that was the, the only time I've, I guess, publicly told the story, you know, told my Mm -hmm. story on, on the whole deal. I, of course, I, I, you know, my friends have heard me tell it several times. The, for me, the more I tell it, the easier it is to, to live with it. Mm-hmm. I um, I never thought something like that would affect my my everyday life, but it. Yeah, I'm telling you, hundred percent, it affects everything. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, so the, the shine dog is is the dog that we were hunting. I had got him back, and that's what we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how Luke Mitchell ended up with him. Um, I didn't have anywhere to live. Uh, me and my wife were sleeping on an air mattress and my two kids were in a, in a, uh, a bed next to us and everything we owned was in one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any kennels. I didn't, you know, everything was destroyed. So, oh, yeah. uh, I knew I, I didn't want nobody to have to keep the dog for me and feed him. And I didn't know how long it was going to be before I got back up on my feet. I called Luke. Luke Mitchell, when he was probably 13 or 14, his parents were customers of mine, and they come by the shop and said, my son follows you on Facebook and would love to go hunting. And I said, absolutely. So um, he killed his first coon to chrome, and I don't know how many nights that I would go pick him up and take him with chrome or crockett, either one. And, and, and he had always said one day he would want his own dog. And I, I I could have sold Shine uh, for a pretty good bit mm-hmm. um, because it was just a really nice combo dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, I called up Luke and I said, "Look, I got a proposition for you. Um, I don't have anywhere to live, and you know, he, I mean, he knew he had came, he had actually came to the house and kind of helped us clean up some stuff. And and uh, I said, I've got a single hold dog box. Here's the papers. Here's the dog." Um, I don't remember. I made a loan to him, my Garmin and stuff, until mm-hmm. he could get him one. And I said, I, you know, I, I may want down the road, I may want to breed to him, but I will never come to you and ask you for the dog back. He's your dog. I'm giving him to you. He's yours. When you leave here with him, he's yours. What you do with him is your business, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he hunted that dog day and night, day and night for several years. Um, and and still owns him. Um, of course, he's older now. In college, well, I think he's out of college working full time, and then he's in a band. So, of course, the dog is nine, going on ten, I think. Um, but uh, that's where mm-hmm. that's where I was at when that happened. So then I went about a year or two. I think I went two years without a dog. And once we got to the place we're at now and got settled in, uh, you know. Uh, you I went think through a bunch. I, I did. I went through a lot. I'm I'm extremely hard to please, and I I believe in culling. I believe in hunting hard and culling harder. Um, man, there's so much junk out there. Get passed around and gets bred, and and then it creates junk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, um, I don't believe in brood females. I know people have gotten world champions out of their brood dip, and that's fine for them. I just don't care to do it. I understand. Um, so I went through a bunch. I went through English dogs. I went through Walker dogs. I went through 
cur dogs. I went through old stock dogs. I went through Kimmer dogs. I even tried uh, I even tried some of that other stuff. X, <laughs> what I call the X3 uh, OMCBA stuff. <laughs> uh, the little old, <laughs> old coat pup, I tried. I, and I, I tried hard to like that pup. I did. <laughs> I tried really hard, and I could not. They, do, they were just some things about that pup I did not like. And Mark called me one day and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to call this pup. He's like, why? You know, because he, he, he pretty much paid my way. You know, me and him rode down to Texas to pick him up. Okay. And I told him, I told him, and, and he called me back. He said, his wife, you know, uh, my wife says, uh, you better not call that pup. So I, I met him in between and I, I just gave them the pup and and then I, I kept on looking and the whole time you know Chris Chris Boone's a really good friend of mine and mm-hmm. the whole time you know I'm I'm he's teasing me texting me constantly you know so I say you picked up another pup today you know did you call it on the way home or what you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know I told him I said if I if, if you'll find me something that's, you know, that that you think would suit me, I won't call it. You know, I just and and I, I was sitting on the couch one night and the phone rang and uh, it was a guy I didn't know him. I had knew who he was, but I didn't spoke to him. Ronnie Wood from mm-hmm. over uh, uh, Alabama, a couple hours over in Alabama, and uh, uh, it was funny because the way Ronnie kind of eased into the conversation, he, he sent me a message on on social media. He said, hey, there's a vet clinic up by you that, that is one of the better in the area at having, you know, drawing semen and storage and all that. Do you know anything about them? And I said, well, yeah, I'll give you a call. So he, well, actually, I sent him a number and he called me and <clears throat> we got to talking about this vet clinic. And he said, why well, I got you on the phone? Chris Boone told me he was looking for a dog. And he started <laughs> describing the dog. He started describing the dog. And I, I said, man, that sounds just like what I'm looking for. And I knew some of Chris's dogs, you know, some of the dogs that I've had in the past that I, that I really liked came from Chris and they were dark brown black, you know? Yep. And I said, what color is the dog? And he said, yellow. And I said, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and you know, I said, uh, I, I said, I've been through a lot of dogs and, and I'm just, I'm kind of gun shy. I said, do you mind if I come over and just take a look at him? You know, I, I, I can't, I'm not telling you that I will or I won't. I said, no, I'm going to be a hundred percent up front with you. I'll, I'll, I'll come wherever you're at. I don't care if the dog makes a tree. All I want to do is see the dog turn loose in the woods and see how he acts. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. No expectations of anything, you know? Yep. And he said, sure, sure. So we, we made a plan and, and uh, I rode over and met uh, Ronnie Wooten and um, friends of his, Drew Mann and Caleb Smith. Uh, Caleb and one of his friends, I can't remember his name. They're, they're big in the hog hunting up there. And they use, they, they only use cameras to hog hunt. Okay. And uh, I met them over there at uh, some public ground, big, thick and hogs over there. And uh, we pulled up, met them at a gas station. We drove over where we was going to hunt, and we got out of the truck, and Ronnie explained to me. I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly how he told me. He explained to me. He, he said, 
uh, shook his hand and he said, son, I want you to get your collar and put it on this dog right here. He said, and I want you to treat him like he's yours while we're here. At the end of our hunt, if you don't want him, take your collar off, put him back in that dog box. I mean, you can be friends. You don't have to take him in. It's not going to hurt my feelings one bit. Mm -hmm. He said, the dog has never been to the woods hunting like this. He said, the dog has never been in a dog box until I shoved him in there today. (laughs) I don't know how he's going to act. Don't know what he's going to do. You know, he kind of threw his hands up and he said, man, you fix to see what he's going to do together. (laughs) And uh, Ronnie collared his two dogs up and he he cut them loose from the truck. And uh, Caleb had a load of dogs in his dog box. When we got done hunting that morning, they was going to hog hunt in there. And uh, Caleb told me, he said, look over in that dog box. He said, there's a female in there that's a litter mate for that that dog you fix to look at. And uh, they called him, uh, his name was... uh, Ronnie was calling him the Alabama Bali was okay. his name. And uh so we cut him loose and and of course we just was you know, how it is when you never hunted with somebody before, you just kinda casual conversation, getting to know each other and kind of, you know, feeling each other out. He don't know me, I don't know him and and uh so he's just telling me about the dog and I'm asking him about, you know, the the bloodline and, you know, what to go back to and I mean, all of a sudden, a dead gum roar comes through the woods like you ain't never heard before. And I looked over at Ronnie, and he looked at me, and he was grinning. He said, that's that pup? I said, there's no <laughs> way. He said, I'm telling he was he was not close. I mean, he was a good ways in there. And he, he did that two or three times. He was big, old, screaming, squally ball, okay. And we started that way, and it, and, and the other dogs, I think it was three dogs with him. There was four dogs total. Another year-old pup and two older dogs. And, and they all went in there where he's at and started treeing. Well, when they went in too, and he left. You know, and Ronnie says, hey, you know, that's, you know, the, the times I have been hunting him, you know, he just um, um, has been running loose in the yard. Mm-hmm. Never, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just to back up just a hair. Uh, he wouldn't. Um, he wouldn't run a deer. He wouldn't chase a rabbit. He wouldn't tree a squirrel. Wouldn't tree a coon. He wouldn't bay a hog. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do nothing. He just laid in the yard. Didn't have no interest in doing anything other than laying around eating. And uh, I don't know how old he was. Ronnie said one day he went outside and, and he heard him treat on squirrel and, and he went over and knocked it out and he just kind of slowly progressed and. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, when they went into him, he, you know, he left, and he went a little deeper, a couple hundred yards, and he, and he started throwing him big old locates again, and, and I was like, "Hey, gun, that dog's got a mouth!" And uh, of course, the, the dogs kind of left and went to him again, and started treeing with him, and he left the tree again, and so we had, we were still walking. So this time, I thought, let's let's try to get in there, get them other dogs. And uh, see if I can get to him and get him tied. And so their dogs were still treed, and, and we went to their dogs and searching the tree. And I heard him a couple hundred yards, a little bit deeper in there, and, and he started treeing again. And I just took off. I left him, and I run into where he's at, and I leased him up. And I just couldn't believe at the mouth on this dog. Um, and 
they they leashed their dogs and walked them into where he was at. And we tied the dogs back and we got to chase pines and it was a big dead snag next to him. And I shot up in that snag and a squirrel come out and we knocked it out to him. And, and uh, he made three or four trees that day, but with them other dogs there, he would get deeper and deeper. And I think one of his trees in there, he, he treated in like 1.1 mile. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he was he was getting, he was just trying to get away from other dogs. Mm-hmm. And then they struck a hog, and they run and run, and he, he he jumped in there with them. And then he broke off the hog and got in there and treated again toward the truck pretty deep. And I said, look, y'all go catch your dogs. I'm going to go catch him, and, and, you know, if I need to, I'll drive around and pick you up. So by the time I got him caught got to the truck, their dogs had done got cut up. You know, the hunt was over. And when they finally, they had come and got a truck, went back around and picked them all up. And when they come back around, we – kind of assessed the situation of their dogs being cut up real bad. And uh, I looked at Ronnie. I said, look, I, I, I know you need to get your dogs home and get them stapled up, took care of and all that. I said, uh, I'm going to take this dog home with me. I've seen enough today, um, you know, just from his hunt in his mouth, first time he'd ever been to the woods, mm-hmm. first time he'd ever been to the dog box, showed me he had something. Oh, yeah. So I, I – I put him in the dog box and, you know, on the way home, I'm thinking, I can't believe I really just picked up this albino <laughs> Brindle and I'm taking him home, you know? Um, and, and that was my start of this whole downhill spiral, I call it, of <laughs> karma. Um, and I called Chris on the way home and, you know, thanked him for, hook, you know, connecting us and, yeah. He asked me what I thought about the dog, and I said, I, I think I've got something I work with. Oh, yeah. He told me, he said, don't call him. First thing out of his mouth, he said, don't call him. And, of course, Ronnie had told me that. He said, if you don't want him, you know, that was a deal. He said, if you, you take him home and hunt him, you don't like him, call me. I'll meet you. I'll pick him up. No hard feelings. We, we be friends. We can hunt together. You know, I won't think nothing about it. He said, if you like him, you want to keep him. He's yours. You know, I said, I'd be glad to pay you for him. He said, no, son, I don't sell dogs. I'm not in the, I'm not in the market of selling dogs. He said, if you like him, uh, I'll send you the papers. And I called him one day, and I said, man, I said, I think this is a dog I've been looking for. And a week later, papers showed up to my door in my name. He even had the dog registered in the name I wanted. That's when I, you know, as a kind of a, a, a tribute to Ronnie, I guess you could say, just out of respect for Ronnie, not really a tribute. But out of respect for Ronnie, I just called him. I just shortened it to, to Bama yeah. and uh, just, you know, called him, asked him to put Cane Creek Bama on there. And uh, I've been hunting him hard as, you know, I've been giving him all he can handle. How long uh, have you had him now? Uh, he's a he's a year and a half old. I think I got him last October or this past October. I think okay. he was, I can't remember, 10, 11 months old. He wasn't a year old when I got him, but he was real close. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he has been through. You know, it's kind of it. it I, I hate using the word karma. I really don't even like that <laughs> word, even though even though people tell me all the time that's just karma coming back to get you for all the all the negative comments and and bad things I've ever said about everybody that's hunting yellow dogs. And I've, I've almost gotten into some knockdown drag out fights with folks. You know. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, over just, you know, because my mouth, I mean, I've got a big mouth. Everybody knows it, but, you know, some folks don't know how to take me uh, because I, I, you know, 
I'll say whatever I want to whoever I want. And over the years, I've learned to take a good butt whipping for it. You know, it just is what it is. Um, you know, it's got me in a mess. My whole family's that way. I got an older brother that he's 61 years old and, and still same way as I am. Just whatever, you know. And, and I've pulled up to some men. I've been to a lot of competition hunts. You know, we, me and Terry, we in, in our squirrel club, we've probably hosted 200 or plus. Wow. You know, and of course, there's tons of folks, you know, hunting cameras and, you know, wow. OMCBA dogs that are, that are, uh, uh, that are, um, non brindles. <laughs> and, uh, and I just always tease them, you know, I can't believe y'all bring it. I, you know, I would, I would judge the bench show sometime. And it was a, it was a big joke when people would put a, a non brindle dog up on the bench show and they would say, man, you know, you in brindle country, right? There's no way that dog. <laughs> Uh, it's gonna win. gonna win no. It's not gonna win no bench show in North Mississippi. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I never. I I would never, never do someone that way. You know, uh, it was just a, a, a teasing joke. Yeah. Uh, it just so happened that every time I judged, it was some nice brindle dogs up there. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. But uh, it's just it, it without without using the word karma. Um. Bama falling into my life was something I, I, I ain't going to try to get deep on you again. I, you know, <laughs> I, I have been drinking a little good bit today, but, but without getting too deep on you, Bama come to me. He needed me at the same time in my life. I, I needed him. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I, when, when, when Bama was, Ronnie told me this story. Um, they was, they were seven or eight guys. I went over to the KSBA hunt in Hamilton, Alabama. It was my first KSBA event, Kimmer Stock Breeders Association. First hunt I'd ever been to was KSBA. Okay. It was an outstanding hunt, by the way. Had a great time. It was a huge crowd, like 26 in the squirrel and like 14, I think, in the coon. Wow. It was great hunt. And uh, there were some folks there. Ronnie was introducing me to people. And, and, uh, and we were talking about them, and they were asking me, you know, um, he's just a unique dog with that big mouth and that big motor for a camera dog, you know, um, or for any cur, if yeah. you know I mean, to be honest, I mean, there ain't many of them that'll go. I mean, I, we, we turned him loose behind the Mississippi river levee and I picked him up two and a half miles north. Jeez. Um, he just goes, if there's nothing for him to tree, nothing moving, he just goes, you know, till he finds something. But, uh, Ronnie was telling a story to these, these fellas when I come walking up, we were talking, he was, Anyway, he got to telling us about um, Bama when he was a pup. Um, and this is going to be, to everybody out there listening, I'm just going to tell you all now, it's, it's going to sound unbelievable, all right? But the story that I told on the, the, the Coon Hunting Confidential podcast, mm-hmm. to, to some people, that story was unbelievable, you know? Um, and, and when I tell this, the the when I said that that he came to me and he needed me the same time I needed him, you, you're fixing to understand why. When he was a pup, he was running loose in Ronnie's yard. Between Ronnie, Ronnie and his brother, they have their family farm. I think it's 500 acres. And in between their two houses, they sit up kind of on the road, old country road. Between the two houses is a big creek separates them. And uh, Ronnie had Bama 
and, and a couple young females. I think he was maybe five, six months old. Um, had him running loose there in his yard like he does all his pups. He just lets them start on his own. They run loose. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said he'd come out behind the house one day, and, and he heard just across the, the in the pasture, across the road from his house, he heard a heck of a dog fight. But he couldn't see nothing. Um, so he got to looking, didn't see nothing, and it, it kind of quit. And, and I, I think he told me, I, I want to be right, but I think he told me he might have went in the house. And as he was coming back out, he heard it again. It was closer. And, and he, he went and grabbed a gun and took off running. And um, there was three stray dogs, had Bama in the creek between him and his brother. And they had chewed him up. His, half his ear, pretty much the whole back of his ear was ripped off on his right side. His face was ripped up. His chest was ripped open in four or five spots, puncture wounds. Wow. The water in the creek was just red. Um, there was there was skin hanging off of his legs, and, and if you look at some of his pictures real close, you can see the scars. Mm-hmm. They, they chewed him up real bad, and Ronnie got him off of him. Um, and and I don't know if the same day or at a different time, but them dogs killed. Another female of Ronnie that was running loose, and they injured another one. And and Bama ran up in a up underneath an old barn they got there, and stayed up under that barn for a week. And they didn't Jeez. even know if it, they didn't even know um, if he was alive or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ronnie said one about a week later he was in that barn looking for something, and he said he got to smelling something in the back of the barn and, and walked back that way, and and there was like a. Under the barn was a cubby hole where they used to, I guess they would store stuff up under the barn to keep it cool. And uh, uh, maybe no root cellar or something like that. Anyhow, he got to smelling something. And when he looked up in there, that Bama laid up in there. That, and he stunk from the infection. Yeah. And, uh, Ronnie said he got him out of there and just started doctoring him, you know, um, stitching him up with no good, you know, a week later. But he just got to putting, you know, salve on him and giving him antibiotics and, and trying to get him healed back up. And he, he healed up, and I mean, it's a wonder that it's a wonder that he even does anything. Yeah. Much less, much less to go from from that much drama to what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. And and I've been making it a point every weekend to hunt him with a strange dog and a strange person as much as I possibly can, even though I want to hunt a young dog by themselves. Yeah. Um. And and. Some nights, hunting with another dog don't bother him a bit. He, he, you can cut him loose, and he leaves like he's late for work. Consistently, he gets in there and he'll tree him at he'll tree he'll tree a coon at hundred yards, tree one at a mile. So far, I, I've hunted him with young young. I've only I've been hunting with hounds. Uh, most all my friends around here have English dogs and walking hounds, yep. uh, black and tan, and uh, I've not had I've not had any ill dogs, you know, jump on him. You know, most everybody I hunt with, if they've got an ill dog, they're going to call it. Just the way yeah. it is. Um, twice we've been out hunting, and the coyotes have got um, between me and him. And, and you know, every he opens on track with a big ball locate. And, and a couple nights, um, every time he would open, the coyotes would go to yipping and, you know, hollering. And that freaks him out now. Um, one night, the coach got really close, and he—I watched him on the garment. He made a big loop 
about 800 yard loop around me and I, I I knew where he was going so I just turned around and started walking back because I, I didn't even have my side by side then I was walking um one of the farms I got flooded really bad well several of them do but this particular farm I was at was, was flooded pretty bad in um January and uh he made a big loop around me and uh I started walking back towards the truck, and when I got to the truck, I couldn't find him. And I, I mean, I, I knew he was there. I always leave my tailgate down and my dog box door open for him, just in case. Okay. Just something I've always done mm-hmm. with all my dogs. You know, if they go back to the truck for any reason, I don't want them in the road or, you know, I'd rather them get in the box and wait on me. Yep. Um, and he had gotten, I got a diamond plate toolbox and a full-size dog box, and he had gotten under the diamond plate dog box, under the diamond plate toolbox and was hiding. That's how much some codes shook him up. Yeah. Um, understandable. I mean, you know, I don't, I, I told him, I, I ain't mad at you, son. You know, come on, let's, let's just go home. Um, and that's what I do. Every now and then, I'll cut him loose and just be something uneasy about him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I've learned over years, I've ruined several dogs by not paying attention to my dog. And I, and I, I like, I like Bama enough and he's a good enough young dog. I just try to watch and pay attention to him. And, and not long ago, I went by myself. I drove to one of my farms and loaded my wheeler. We drove about a mile back, cut loose. He made a big loop and he come back to me, which he don't normally do. And I, you know, I thought, you know, what in the world is going on? I said, you better get your butt ahead, son. And, and he just wouldn't go, and, and it clicked in my head. I said, something got him uneasy. Must be some codes out there somewhere I just can't hear. Yep. And instead of instead of whipping him with my leash or getting a lean and whipping him to make him go, thankfully, you know, I folks, Tim Coat, Morrison, and all them will tell you I ain't got much sense. <laughs> all right. But I do have enough that I put him in the dog box. I drove all the way back to the truck, and we came all the way back home. We wasn't gone 10 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Went back next night, and it was business as usual. Hmm. Like you said, probably some coyotes out there that you didn't know were there. Probably so, you know, or something. Um, I, I don't, I used to, I used to would get 15 years ago, I would be, I, I'd look like old strutting rooster out there in the middle of the woods. I'd be scratching the ground and just, I'd be mad, you know, that my dog wouldn't go hunt. And, uh, and, and I just, I ruined a couple of nice young dogs from trying to make them, but you can't, can't make a dog go hunt. They got to have it. Oh yeah. So now, you know, when I see a dog, you know, not that I'm nobody, but folks come from all over and bring young dogs here for me to hunt for them. You know, I'm, I'm, I just got a knack for pups, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I see one that ain't acting right. I ain't trying to make it go hunting. I'm going to put that dude back in the dog box and we go into the house. Try again next night, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's one good thing about having, you know, 5,000 acres in my backyard. I mean, I, I can do it or not. Yeah, it's not like you like. I know guys, good friends of mine around here that when they load up, they're driving 40 minutes to go hunt. So it it's, it is frustrating when you do all that. and then your dog doesn't want to hunt. It is. I, I try to keep two two dogs of hunting age, or <clears throat> I try to always have a dog that belongs to somebody else to hunt. So that that particular night, Bama was. I didn't. I didn't have my little honey pup. I just had Bama, and um, 
I didn't have nothing else with me. Had I had another dog with me, I would have just took his collar off, cooled him off, uh, keep him in the dog box, and I'd have hunted the other dog if it would have hunted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but some nights I got honey with me, and some nights I don't. It just depends on what mood I'm in. Well, let's talk about honey. Oh, uh, well, after I got Bama, um, like I said, I always try to keep two dogs to hunt. You know, one of them gets hurt, whatever. And uh, so I, I, I told Chris, I said, all right, you know, uh, magic man, you didn't find me one. Um, find me something else. And I called, you know, another close friend of mine, Dwight Anderson. I called Dwight and I said, you know, Dwight's got a bunch of uh, old stock busher stuff. And, and, um, and, and he's got some dogs from Chris that, that he's crossing. Um, and he's, he's got some, he's got some good crosses going right now. Mm-hmm. I called him and I said, look, I need something. You know, I got one. I need something else. And I said, I prefer it to be, you know, black or brown. Um, I said, I think only one albino brown is all the heat I can handle right now. <laughs> uh, and, man, out of the blue, I can't even remember who it was, but out of the blue, somebody texted me just like a random number. I didn't even recognize it. Sent me a text. Well, my number's plastered everywhere. I don't care. And uh, he's like, hey, there's a fellow in Kentucky that had some timber pups dual registered. Um you know, he may still have a couple left. Give him a call. So I, he gave me the guy's number. Uh, his name is uh, his name's Alfred Gentry. But for about six months, I called him Alvin <laughs> uh, until he corrected me one day. And I said, well, you still may get called Alvin the time of day, you know. Uh, but Alfred Gentry, Gentry up in Kentucky, I called him and he said, man, I happen to have two pups. He said, I've got, uh, <clears throat> he owns the mom and daddy and, and both parents came from Chris Boone's place. Okay. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> he said, I got a, I got a female here that I'd be interested in getting rid of. He said, I had a big litter and for whatever reason, everybody that came and got a pup kicked this pup to the side. He said, man, she didn't look no different. She ain't act no different. She wasn't no small pup. You know, uh, she just was, an average pup like the rest of them, but for whatever reason, nobody liked it. She got picked over every time, and I'm stuck with her. And I said, man, what color is she? He said, yellow. And I said, hey, come. Well, he, he told me, he said, I'll take 200 bucks for her. I said, well, crap, 200 bucks. You know, even if I got her home and I didn't like her, you know, I mean, I'll call her for $200, you know. I've called dogs that heck I've given fifteen hundred dollars for them and hunted them two nights and called them because I didn't like. Them. Um, but anyway, so I called the white and and because I done I done spent about thirty five hundred dollars in hauling feed, hauling junk in here and calling it, and I was just tired of wasting my money, so I called the white and uh, the white is I mean is about as good a friend as you can ask for. I give him a I give him a hard way to go. But he expects it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think anybody he, uh, that's friends with you expects it. They, 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 well, they have to. They won't be buddies <laughs> with me. Um, Dwight, one of Dwight's legs is shorter than the other. I don't know if people know that about Dwight. Uh, it's from so many years of hunting on them mountains. He has to have one leg shorter than the other because he walks. You know, walking in the side of the mountains. I, mm-hmm. there's, been a, there's been a time in my life, I, I, got, I had a man crush on Dwight there for a while. Um, Dwight's been going to the gym and working out and he's got them fancy tattoos now and he, he just he's just a you know, a handsome fella. Uh anyhow, I called him up and 
he went and met Alfred and picked uh, this little pup up, and he called me, and he goes, man, he said, uh, you probably ain't going to like his pup. I'm probably just going to keep her. Right then, I knew that she was probably <laughs> a pretty decent pup because, you know, he's like me now. He don't like no albino brindle pup either, even though, even though he's got one of my favorite self that he likes. That's common. Him and his brother both, Dwayne, they both got one of my albino brindles that, that, uh, that are doing really good. And uh, it's, it's karma coming back to bite us all for all the bad stuff we, we said. But uh-huh. so another one of my closest friends in the whole world lived, born and raised in Jamestown, Tennessee. Cur dog man. He's, he's probably been to more hunts at Jamestown than anybody else that's still active in the curves because he, his dad was a coon hunter. Granddaddy was a coon hunter. Born and raised right there when they, you know, uh, was going to hunts before it was even at Jamestown. Mm-hmm. Um, I called him up. Gerald Rains is his name. Um, I called him up. He uh, he went and met Dwight. They don't live about, as a crow flies across uh, the mountain, about an hour and a half or two at the most from each other. Okay. And uh, Gerald has... Gerald's like he's he's just another one of my good friends. I, I'm fortunate. I I don't know what I've done in my life to to have all these really good friends that just you know I worry the crap out of them about dogs. You know, helping me drag this one in, and I'll call the I'll call uh, Gerald and I say, look, man, there's a dog about two hours from you. Would you mind picking him up and holding him, and I'll meet you and get him. He's done it so many times. And uh, and he even has called me one time because I just picked this dog up for you. Give me going to cut. You save myself some gas money. <laughs> but anyway, so he picks this pup up, and and the next day I think him and his wife was going to Cookville or somewhere up around in there, and and so I called Chris Boone. I said, Hey, look, I'm trying to save myself some some gas money and save myself some hauling fee. I said, Would you? go over and meet Gerald, pick his pup up, and bring her home. And then I'll drive to your house. It's only four hours. Three, well, it's four. Depends on um, how much traffic. Okay. It's four hour, It's four hours, you know, in normal traffic. If there ain't no traffic and I can run about 90, I can make it three and a half. Um, so Chris keeps the pup, I don't even remember, overnight or something like it. It wasn't there long and, and I called him. I, was, I said, I'm on my way. I need to have a tree in before I get there because, you know, I need something I can start hunting. And, and of course, he's like, oh, when he leave my house, everything's treeing, you know. Uh, some of them some of them pups still have milk rings on their mouth to be out there treeing squirrels. <laughs> but uh, so I go to pick my pup up. I pull it in the driveway, and we, you know, can't, can't find the pup nowhere. He's like, man, I had her running loose. And Chris, Chris lives right on the side of the road. You know, they got a they got a bunch of land, um, but it's not attached, you know, to where their house and his kennels are. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's always got a dog running loose. Um, anyway, we got to looking for her, and his wife had done let her inside. She was asleep on the Christmas tree. Like, like a picture-perfect type, you know, um, one of them uh, old where the red fern grows type moments, you know. Yep. Oh, look at the pup. Sleep on the tree. But anyway, I drug her home. And um, I don't name, I typically don't name a pup. I don't, I 
because odds are I'm going to call it, and I don't want to waste a good name. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, I wait. I like your rationale because I've wasted some good names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wasted a pretty decent good names myself, uh, and then I got to thinking one day. I'm like, well, that's dumb. You you wasting that. names are. I mean, names are hard to come up with. A good name, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so I just don't name them. I let they'll either name themselves or something will happen and they'll name it or whatever. And then I'll go, hey, you know what? That that sounds good. So hang on. So uh. I, I brought her home and I give her a couple of days, and I, I built myself a, I built myself a starting pen here, <clears throat> and I didn't have intentions on really starting pups for other people. I just did it for myself. I wanted to have a litter of pups, and I want to keep every single pup in the litter, and let them raise in that starting pen and cull the ones I don't like and keep the ones I like. Mm-hmm. That's my that was my plan. How big is your starting pen? Ah. <clears throat> uh, it, right now it's an acre and a quarter, um, and I did it. I, I I finished it. I can't remember when I finished it now, but I knew that before the heat of this summer, I did it last summer so that I could use it all winter. And I knew it's it's three acres. It's going to be three acres total. And I knew I couldn't get it all done because I'm doing it by myself mostly. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife has helped me some, and a couple of my buddies. Um, one a good friend of mine that hunts with me all the time, Jeremy Tompkins. He's coming. He's going. He's on his way over here. We're going to hunt tonight. Um, he's helped me. He helped me with it some, and but I knew I wasn't going to finish it. So <clears throat> what I done was I stopped halfway, and I stopped at about an acre and a quarter. Um, it's a uh, uh, eight foot commercial chain link down one side, and then it's six foot commercial chain link all up the back, and then it, it's uh six foot chain link along the front. Okay. Uh, so I've already started doing the dirt work um, and clearing to get my, you know, clearing the brush and the trees where I can get my, you know, post holes dug and, and, uh, but I got so much going on. I'm not, I'm going to wait till next summer to, <clears throat> before I start on the second half. But so anyway, I got the acre and a quarter down there and I got me some feeders in it. It's, I've probably turned loose. I don't know probably 30 or 40 squirrels back there and 70 or 80 coons. I've probably turned loose people trap for me. I don't, I don't use hot wires to keep them in. They just mm-hmm. free range come and go. Yep. Um, you know, it, but there's some that come so much, they don't even care about the dog, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, so I throwed honey in the starting pen down there and, uh, I, man, I mean, just right off the bat, I, I I could she just gamey. She was just a gamey little pup. I mean, chasing the chickens, chasing the barn cat. Um, you know, I would go down there when I get off work and let her out and just let her run loose here on the farm. I mean, I live at the end of a dead end road and my road is off of another dead end road, so there's no traffic. I just and we're we're like I think my driveway's uh, close to four hundred feet from the road to the house, so I just come home and let her run loose with us, whatever we're doing. And uh, one morning I went down in the pen. I, you know, I would let her just sleep in the pen. I got some insulated dog houses down there. I went down there every morning at six. I go out and I let my horses out for pasture. I let my chickens out of the coop. I feed my dogs. And I go, you know, if I got stuff in the pen, I go down there and, get, and make a round. And I heard her barking. And I 
went down there and, and I was like, what you barking at, old girl? And she went right to one of the feeders and looking up barking. I think, no way. I'm talking like, I think she was 12 weeks old when I got her. So we're talking 12 and a half weeks old, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe 14, 15, maybe 15 weeks. She might have been 15. Something like that. She was and little. It, little. I mean, tiny. Every single day I would go to that pen. She was transportable. So I just, my neighbor, which is, a, me and him gotten pretty close. His mother owns the little property, the property next to me. Um, a matter of fact, I lease her. Uh, I'm, I, I can't say lease. Um, I've got her pasture that my horses are in. Give mine a break sometimes. And, and, and I'll, you know, I'll cut her grass for or whatever. But her son owns all the land across the road from me. And uh, I use, his place just as a somewhere different to walk pups. And I've got some trails, four of the trails to his place. I walk them on it. And I went down his driveway one day going over there to, well, you don't know truth about it. He called me and said, come over and it's drank. So <laughs> I throwed honey, I throwed honey in the side by side. And <clears throat> I went over there and pulling up in his driveway, he was walking down the driveway and I was pulling in and two squirrels crossed the road, crossed the driveway. And I got her out of the truck and turned her loose. And uh, I said, go, go grab your 22. Um, around here, squirrel season and coon season is open all year, uh, whether it is or it ain't. Uh, so she went in there and treed. I mean, just as pretty, I, I posted a video of it. I, I got my phone out. And uh, anyway, um, squirrel timbered. She timbered with it like she was in, like she'd been doing it her whole life. And from that point on, she just, I mean, I mean, just, um, she just went squirrel crazy. So I just started hunting. I mean, I was taking her to the big woods at five months old, four and a half, five months old. I'd take my youngest four. We'd go down to, um, during, I, I, most of these farms I got, I can, I can hunt them. I can coon hunt them all year long. Deer season, off season, they don't, they don't care. They know. These deer hunters on the farms that I that I hunt, they know from me from years of me taking them hunting with me, of me hanging out with them, cooking out with them. You know the farmers, they know my dogs don't bother the deer. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, they, I, they'll be at their camps cooking out, you know, for the weekend, and I'll go in and I may go in and eat with them, and then go coon hunting, and then I'll come out and they'll go and deer hunt. But, <laughs> but I've got a couple that they don't want me squirrel hunting. Because you know they they got kids that may want to shoot a deer, so I, yeah. I don't I can't I can't squirrel hunt them during like during the day of, of while they're squirrel while they're deer hunting. Mm-hmm. But like during the week, if I'm off during the week and they're not out there, and I text them and they're not hunting, then I can go. But the man Briar Cole would start taking honey to some of these farms, and and uh, I mean she just I, of course she's treating hot squirrels, but when we we're loading with squirrels just like we're coon, and and she just started treating squirrel after squirrel after squirrel and a young pup is the is the most accurate a dog is the most accurate when they're younger because nobody has taught them to lie mm-hmm. uh, you know patting on trees and and you know a young pup runs up to a tree and it's looking up you can see the squirrel you want that dog to bark so bad Folks go to Patton and come on, Grandpa. You can do it. You know, talk to them. Well, they teach them to lie, even though you can see that squirrel. What about the next time you don't see a squirrel? 
but you're going to do it anyway. So anyway, uh, I never talked her up. She just, she just done it. And, and I praised her whenever she, you know, I don't praise them until I see the game. And then mm-hmm. I just give them a, a light little, had a girl. And I shoot the game and we move to the next one. And, and, uh, I mean, she treated a, she treated a daytime coon one afternoon. Uh, maybe it was a morning. Uh, she baited up another coon during the day, which I think me and Briar Cole went. We killed, she was making like four or five trees at a hunt. Nice. And um, I think we'd shot two or three squirrels through one day. Of course, the leaves was off. You know, it was just prime time. It was luck. I got her at the right time. I had no expectations and nothing other than I probably end up calling her. You know, that's my only expectation. When I get a puff, I just, I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, that way, if they do make, you know, I don't, I don't get let down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Anyway, I just I just continued to take her on, and uh, I went. Uh, I can't remember where I was at. One afternoon, I, I I remember what I was doing, but I wasn't going to hunt. And I come home, and my wife says, "You know, you got about two hours before it gets dark. Take hunting, go hunt." So I throwed her in the truck, and I, I very rarely do I go to public ground. I just I just don't like public hunting. Because you don't never know who you're going to run into. On public ground, any idiot can go buy a hunting license, go buy a gun, and go sit in public ground somewhere and don't know nothing about safety. You know, I just don't don't like going. I don't like being, you know. But this particular day, I've got a few spots that they flood a lot and nobody else takes a dog to because they're dangerous it's right on the corner of the i-55 the main four or five lane interstate that runs through mississippi and it's it corners another highway in i-55 and uh nobody goes in there but i'll take pups there that you know if they if they're staying within 300 yards of me mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take a chance and take them there yeah. because it's a lot of game in there so I went this afternoon. It was rainy. I mean, it, it was just a bad afternoon. So Briar didn't go with me. And uh, I went, and it, she had made one or two trees, nothing. I, I you know, just I, – I, I can't remember if it was den trees or – I just – I wasn't seeing nothing. And uh, she is – I guess I could say she's semi-open. She don't really have what I call she don't have a ball mouth like Bama. Okay. But when she gets when she gets excited, she's got a real squally locate to her. You know, mm-hmm. real short. And I heard her give that little squall locate. And I said, Oh, this is a hot one here. You know, I I'll probably shoot a squirrel when I get just what I'm thinking walking it and, and then she she's I'm watching the gone. She's still moving. Barks a few more times as she's moving. And I thought, okay, you know, this is, I mean, this is another plus on this pup. You know, um, when I, when I gauge a pup, they don't, uh, these albino ones, they don't start at zero with me. They start at negatives because they're, they're, because they're already, you know, they're already the wrong color. Yeah. So they have to start on the negative scale where most everything else start at zero and work their way up. So I thought, well, you know, I mean, 
she's opening on track. That's a plus. You know, she's moving on up on my on my non coal scale. And uh, I, I heard this little squall locate, and she she started treating pretty like excited. And uh, so I thought, well, this is a hot one. I'm I started kind of moving hastily. You know, I don't I don't never run into a pup. I used to. Uh, when I was younger, uh, you know, Tim Coke would laugh at me. It, it teased me a lot because, I mean, I'd look like last of the Mohicans running through the woods, jumping, jumping limbs and trees. You know, I already got my gun off safety, going in ready to, you know, spray and pray. I'd go in there and shoot 40 times up the tree if that's what I need to do. But uh, I get to this I get to this pup's tree, and um, it's huge, huge old live oak. I mean, and I'm I'm looking all around. I'm like, you know, I mean, you can park a Volkswagen bug up in this thing and not see it. You know, no way I'm gonna find a squirrel. And as I was walking, I'm like, she's just she's just treeing like crazy. And as I walk around behind the tree, it split. Or I guess maybe lightning hit it at one time, and mm-hmm. you know, you know how they do. Half of them lay over, and half of them standing, and they had a big split. And and she's kind of, it's not really. She's not getting in the split, but she's kind of barking, you know, into it. And I thought, well, she'd already treed that one coon and baited another one in a log. And I thought, well, I bet she's got a coon in there. And got my gun off safety. And I'm, I'm holding my gun, and, you know, a twenty two rifle, but I'm holding it one-handed because just from experience, I go looking in that hole and something jump out at me. I want to be able to go popping caps in it, you know. So I peek off in this hole, and I mean, I'm like – that's a dang bobcat in his hole. So, I mean, I I didn't even have time to think because I, I was like, well, you know, I don't want I don't want her getting on a bobcat because she ain't big as a minute. You know, it, it'll kill her. So I just stuck my gun in the crack of this tree and I just went to blazing off, throwing some heat up in there. And that that bobcat come boiling out of this tree, uh, and I as it come out and she went to lunge for it, I, I scooped her up and grabbed her. Uh, Throwed my gun on the ground. It was empty. Grabbed the pup, and this bobcat come boiling out of this busted up tree, biting at itself. Thankfully, it kept going. I'm like screaming at it, you know, like you would, like a, you know, some, you see these videos of folks getting attacked by like buffaloes on the side of the road, and they hollering, hi! I'm trying to hold a dog, bobcat squalling, and dog barking. And anyway, it goes off about a hundred yards or so. And, uh, I guess a hundred yards, I, you know, uh, was right on the edge of a little food plot. And, uh, she's raising all kind of cane and, and it, I, I finally hear it quit moving. I tie her back, grab my gun, reload. I walk over there. I make sure it's dead. I walk back to her, unleash her and let her track it on her own. And she tracks, of course she's seen where it went. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. She tracks right to it. And I mean, when I say mouthing on it, I mean, she was like mad at this bobcat. I mean, just, I mean, I can't even describe. I mean, you, you've heard old, you've heard old dogs fighting a coon, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like, well, this bobcat was already, it was already pushing Daisy. And, and she was just, she was fighting it like it was still alive. I mean, just mad at it. And I, of course, I'm excited. You know, I'm like, I mean, ain't nobody gonna believe me, you know. Uh, and I've had a couple of dudes on the on the uh, one of the Facebook groups, uh, like Big Game Kimmers or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of a couple of them old Big Game guys. Some of them don't like me no way because of my mouth, but whatever. But 
a couple of them old boys are like, ah, I can't believe, a, you know, a five and a half month old pup, you know, um, uh, trailed this bobcat up and, you know, worked the scent for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, man, you, I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm just telling you what happened. So, uh, I, I told this, I went back to the tree, which, tree, which was, a, that's something that I've always done. It, it, I leash my dog to the tree. And if the game, you know, if a squirrel timbers, I don't like a timbering dog, but if a squirrel timbers, I go with the squirrel and kill it. And I bring it back to the tree they treat on it mm-hmm. and let them chew on it there. You know, I just don't like a dog running through the woods barking up. So anyway, I took, I take her back, tie her back to the tree, and I put this bobcat up on the old busted up part that was leaned up. And she, I unleashed her. She run right up that tree. And that's where you see, I post all them pictures around. Yep. She straddled that, she straddled that cat and would just throw that head up and just bark like crazy. I mean, she is game crazy, ridiculous mm-hmm. for a pup. So I, I don't remember. I think right before that, she had done just enough that I, I decided I was going to name her, but I didn't know what to name her. And just goes to show how, how you know, people in your life affect things that you do. When I was a kid, my brother drugged this, what we called a cur home. It, it was a red. It looked like an oversized um, barter feist. Um, but it was mixed with, I can't even remember what all it was mixed with. I think it was just part cur and part feist. Okay. Um, I had mentioned it in another podcast I was on, but anyway, um, he had, my brother was a score hunter and him and his best friend, that's all they hunted this fight. Um, and they, they, and they hunted the barter fight. Anyway, um, I was bumping around. I think I'd mentioned, you know, well, I guess his pup's done enough. I'm going to give her a name and. And Stacy, he piped up and he said, um, and I've known him for several, several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he piped up and he said, man, the color, you know, she's almost white. She's so buttermilk. Yep. He said, uh, he said, I'd call her Tupelo honey. And I said, you know, that, that, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, and it just, you know, I just dropped the Tupelo. I, I was actually from Tupelo. Uh, which was was kind of ironic that I my family lives over in Tupelo, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, so I thought, well, heck, that's got to be it because she's about the color of honey, you know. Yeah. So that's where she got her name from. Um, you know, a feist man. I <laughs> I got an albino dog that a feist man named for me. <laughs> How, how's that? How's that for karma? Yep. You know. Well, uh, that that ne- needs to be the next. Uh... Yellow female that she keeps name Karma. Karma, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I've got a couple here to choose from. I've got a couple pups here. I know you do. Um, from Chris, I got them from Chris. Uh, Chris, like I said, Chris has just always been a. I mean, when me and Chris, when I when I first kind of started dabbling with some of the 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 Kimmer stuff, um, like. My crocket dog came from Roger Bennett. Mm-hmm. That's who I got him from. Okay. He 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 was a cull. Crockett was a cull. Um, he had gave him to his nephew. Um, his nephew left him in a kennel ten months. Dog didn't even have a name. Um, Roger called me. I can't remember if 
Chris told Roger to call me or anyway, Roger called me and said, Hey, I know where a dog is. You looking for something? I said, yeah, I bought him. Turned out to be the best, best coon dog ever owned in my life. Um, so I always go to, I always go, you know, no, no matter if I'm hunting walkers or whatever, I'm always, uh, I always go back to Chris looking for something, you know, <laughs> Chris, I know Chris in his podcast, he mentioned, uh, uh, a good friend of his that they went back and forth on dogs, Jerry Lane. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lane, huge into the Kimmers, big, you know, in OMCBA. He's been around Mountain Curves, you know, way before I come around. Um, I bought, I bought several dogs from Jerry. Um, super good guy. Um, most all the dogs I had that the Kimmer that were in them came from Chris Boone and Jerry Lane. Okay. So that's why I keep going back to it. It's, I mean, it's it's good stuff. It suits me. I, I bought it. I owned a dog years ago. Um, uh, my, my the counselor uh, Mark Morrison despised. I I can't say despised the dog, but but he literally would. It, if memes would have been a thing back then, he would. He <laughs> this, this dog would have had more memes because he he was a half brother. Bama's daddy, which is the Ridgeland Jimmy dog. The the stuff that that Chris and Jerry Lane were were breeding and, and crossing back then. Um, Chris mentioned the Hammer dog. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he he had a dog off. There was a dog off a of Hammer named Jacob. Hammer's Jake was his name. That the every dog I've owned that had Hammer's Jake in its pedigree had a ball mouth. Big big ball mouth. Yep. I bought a dog from Jerry that Mark Morrison couldn't stand the looks of him. Uh, I named him Pirate. He had one eye. Um, I bought him. He was, I don't know, nine, ten months old. Had run into a a, a cedar, run up in a cedar, run up under a cedar tree and poked his eye out. He was as wild as, as, he was about wild as Captain Jack Sparrow uh, in the movies because when I, I called Jerry Lane, I said, hey, I'm going to buy that dog you got. He goes, well, give me about two weeks to catch him, and I'll call you back when I got it. <laughs> he was running loose. He would run every deer in the country. Um, but I like him like that. I like him wild. I, I don't I don't break my dogs off and run that trash until they – well, it ain't trash to me until they until they start treating coons consistently. I let them run. I've started more pups on, on jackrabbits than I have really on as far as running trash. You, you, you get a puppy – that can run a jackrabbit trap. It can run. A, it, it'll end up running coon trap. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so I let them run deer. I mean, they fall off on a coon. They they run in there a mile, fall off on a coon. Perfection. You sound like a walker man at heart. <laughs> well, I mean, back in the day before I before I hunted turds, I hunted walkers from the boss. You know, some old old Sackett Junior stuff. But um, I, I like the same. Trade. but i like um i like the i like the sense it's, i don't know that, that's not the word i'm looking for i like the ability to know how to hunt and find game that a cur has mm-hmm. all right uh, some people may not know what i'm what i'm talking about but i've had some hounds i ain't gonna speak about nobody else's dog I personally have had some hounds that when you cut them loose, they're if you cut them loose down a fold of the trail, they're running that trail until they come across a coon track. 
Yep. And then they're going to go, they're going to go run that cone and trip. I mean, that's what they're bred for. It's what they're trained for. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, a dog, just say Bama or my old crockett dog or Chrome or Big Sue, when you turn them loose, all those dogs had bigger motors than a lot of the curs I've hunted with. I've hunted with some, I've hunted with some other curs that had a ton of motor. Um, uh, Hummer, uh, Matty Ice, uh, you know, trade knocking ammo, trade knocking Mike, Campbell, uh, those dogs, big motors. But when you cut them dogs loose, you cut them down a trail. They blow out of sight, but they may go just out of sight 80 yards and bust off down to a draw, or they're going to hit a ditch. They're going to run that ditch out. Um, they come to a lake bed. They're going to run the fingers of the lake until they find something to tree on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're not just going to run one direction. And I ain't saying, I'm not saying that hounds do that. I'm just saying the ones I've had have been more of a, I don't know. I've just, I've described it as like a, I, I don't want to say single minded, but more like tunnel vision. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Running until they find that coon track as, as far as they, you know, need to go. Well, I don't know what I'm trying to, it's not coming out right what I'm trying to describe. But no, the, the, I understand. I think most people will that your cur dogs, they want to get under game. They're not just going to go run until they find a track and, and you know, they're not going to tear off in a straight line until they find yeah, well, a track. They, they, they know where to go mm-hmm. to hunt. So one, one of the farms, just for instance, maybe this will explain myself a little bit. One of the farms I hunt, is about two miles deep and about four miles long. All right, and I, and I ride past. It, it's got corn this year. It's, it's about thirty minutes from the house. I drive past all these cornfields to the big woods. Out in these corn cornfields is farther than you can see with your eye, but there will be like a little, you know, quarter acre patch of woods, patch of trees with a little stock pond, ever you know, spread out maybe four, five, six hundred yards apart. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? I can cut Bama down a four-wheeler trail and in big hardwoods, headed towards the lake bottom, and and sit back on my wheeler. I, I free cast him like a hound. I can sit back on my side by side. I don't sit and watch Garmin all the time. I just sit there. And, you know, if I don't hear from him in 10, 15 minutes, I'll look at my Garmin, and, and he'll be done left the hardwoods, and, and on the garden, I think I've even posted pictures of it. He's going, he's out in that corn, and he'll go from patch of woods to patch of woods, checking every single one of them. Okay. Look, mm-hmm. instead instead of running down the side of that cornfield as far as it'll go until we come to a track, that's the difference. That's the reason I, that's the part of the curve that I, I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I still want them to, uh, I still want, have a big mouth like a hound. I still want them to have the more mud flats, you know. Um, <laughs> they got, they got, they got to have. I, 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 I called two pups one time because they didn't have mud flats. That was the only thing I didn't like about them. Is they had a high ear, and I just don't like a high ear system. <laughs> so I called them. Pups don't stand a chance with you, huh? No, it takes a, it takes a, 
you know, folks, I know you see folks teasing me all the time about, about my wife, but it takes a special woman to put up with me, and it takes a special dog to eat my feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, um, I've watched it. <laughs> well, but you know what? I mean, when I when I go hunting, I got, I mean, you know, I got good dogs. Yep. No, I mean, people I, that know, call hard, they tend to have the better dogs. It's just fact. I mean, people that I, well, I have friends that call hard, and they they have good dogs because of it. There, 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 there's there's more people that get a dog. Don't matter what. I don't care what breed of dog it is. They get a working dog or a hunting dog. They buy it as a pup. They put their time into it. Their family gets, you know, they bond with it. Their family gets, you know, they like it and the kids like it. My kids have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but that don't mean that dog, just because you like it and it's bred good and your kids like it and your wife like it and you fed it for a year, that don't mean it's worth a crap. All right. But mm-hmm. because, because people get that invested in it, they keep taking it to the woods day after day, night after night, knowing in the back of their mind it's never going to be what they're really looking for. But it, they don't want to start over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's too much effort to start over. So they just continue to take that, what, to me now, you know, folks, I don't want folks to get bent out of shape, but <clears throat> to me, I, I'm not going to settle for less. I know what I want, and I know it's out there. So if I don't settle for less, like other folks do, and that's just that's just the plain truth, folks settle for less. Mm-hmm. They want they want world champions, but they don't want to put the time it takes to make one that, and they don't want to cull the ones that ain't going to make to try something else. So they just keep taking those, you know, the ones that they've settled for. They they just keep taking them to the woods, and they may tree squirrels. They may tree a lot of game with them. But if they don't tree game the way I want them to, you know, <clears throat> I mean, you could you could you could teach dead gum house dog tree a hot squirrel. Oh yeah, you know by by walking it through the woods and walking it up on a hot scent. Okay, well, I mean, you may kill four or five squirrels a day, and for some people, hey, that's what they want. But that ain't what I want. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if I have a dog and that's all that he'll do, it's a cull. I want one that can treat any type of game in any type of condition, no matter who's walking in on the end of the leash. My old Crockett dog, my buddy, one of my good hunting buddies, that he's half my age. When, before he had a driver's license, I would go 40 minutes out of the way to pick him up, take him hunting. No, Dallas McCullough. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's been around, he's been around these curs and hounds is, is, since he was, you know, way before I ate, I think he was like 12 or 13 when I first met him. He um, could could call me and say, hey, are, are you know, you going to hunt tonight? Like like when when I got hurt at work and I was off work for three months, you know, and, and uh, I had a back injury and I couldn't walk for a while. And I was doing therapy and he'd call and he'd go, you know, obviously you can't hunt tonight because you can't walk. And then my buddies, and he had some black and tans and he had a couple walkers. He was like, man, my buddies will kill a lot of Can we go get cocked out of pen? They would go to my boss's house, get Crockett, as long as they brought him back to the same kennel every night. And he slept in his own, own bed. They could go get him night after night. 
and he would say, hey, I'm not going to hunt tonight, but oh, such and such hunted with him two or three times, and he wants to take somebody and go kill, you know, they want to go kill some trees and coons. Do you care? And I said, I don't care. As long as they put a collar on him and they bring him home, anybody could go get Crockett and go anywhere and tree coons. Ride him in the back of your truck, tree coons. Ride him in your boat and tree coons. Walk hunting, road hunting. That that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And and if they can't do all of those things, they're a cult to me. So for me, for Cane Creek Kennels, I call them and I just keep looking till I till I find you know till I find a Bama, I find a honey. Yep. You know, I mean, I got I got these four pups out here now. <clears throat> Uh, I got from Chris. There, there's some two different litters. I got a male and a female from one litter, and a male and a female from another litter. And I'm gonna raise them in this pen, and you know, me and Chris is gonna see what they do. And he trusts me enough to know that that if they need culling, I'm gonna cull them. And if if they're gonna mate, and I just don't like them, then then you know, we're gonna I'm gonna place them with people that's gonna hunt them. Yeah, you know, I. I've I've had to Dwight and Chris and a couple other ones have pretty much forced me to call them before I call something because you know it it you know it may tree the fire the squirrels but not be quite as big as I want mm-hmm. and, and to me I, if it's if it's going to be a small dog I don't want it so I would call it so now I call them and they go hey such and such is looking for something. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then the dog gets placed, he gets hunted. You know, uh, I'm happy, they're happy. Um, that's what we're going to do with these. He's got another litter of pups here. I wanted to raise a litter of my own albino brindles. I, I'm on the albino brindle train. I see now. that. No, I'm a, I, I, I've repented and <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been forgiven. For all my ill will towards the non brindles and uh, I, you know, like Chris said, I've seen the light. I, I've probably, <laughs> I've probably called some nice pups because of their color that probably would have made something, you know. Um, and uh, so I had a female here that I was going to breed to another male that I that I had that I um, I gave to a hog hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a few hog hunters now that that kind of caught wind that I call pretty pretty good, and so now they they'll call periodically and go, hey, you know, if you got something you're gonna call, you know, um, come get holler at me, I'll come pick it up. What you know, you won't have to feed it a week or whatever. You call me, I'll come get it that day. So, um, I gave this guy uh, a huge male. Um, I called him Hooks. Um, he had a huge motor, big mouth. Big, beautiful rental dog, big, long, flop ears, big-headed jaw dog. But the dog had just had a bad way to go. And he was not – he was gun-shy, but he wasn't, like, born gun-shy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. He, he just had some things ha- – some things just happened in his life that that type of loud noise, it, it just put him off. Mm-hmm. And he would leave the country, and it may be three or four days for you'd see him. You know, oh, wow. somebody would call me and say, hey, I got your dog. Everybody in this county pretty much knows me, and he knows a hunt. And if they got a, you know, thankfully so far, the, the, the few dogs that have got away from me, um, 
I've only had a couple that never got found. But, uh, you know, they call me, I go pick them up. But this dog, after about the third time of him doing that, I said, well, I'm done with this, you know, mm-hmm. I'm done with this mess. And that hog hunter, um, actually, a guy called me. I was at, I was at Dwight's. I had met Dwight. Me and him was standing on the, on the side of I-40, somewhere just south of Nashville, swapping, swapping dogs around or something. And a guy called me while we were standing on the side of the highway, and he goes, hey, I just found a dog yours. And I said, good. I said, take my collars off, and I don't care what you do with the dog. He said, well, or I, I said, I work in Hernandez, and I told him where I work. And he said, I said, if you'll go by my shop and just throw them collars out on the in front of the door up there by the mailbox, I'll get them Monday morning, and dog yours if you want it. He goes, well, I got a friend that's a hog hunter. I said, perfect. Well, I kept the dog's papers in in. It just, you know, in an odd uh, chain of events, the dog made a fantastic hog dog, and they don't shoot them. They they hobble them up, yep. clip their ear, you know. Um, so the dog's working out for them. So I thought, well, well, hey, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll breed to them, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to try it, um, since he made a nice dog, so. Um, Chris let me let loan me a female. She was a half sister to Bama off the Ridgeland Jimmy Dog, and uh, the guy agreed to let me breed. I had it all worked that I kept her like three months, waiting on her to come. She was supposed to come in the heat right after I got her. Naturally, I had to feed her for two or three months. She come in the heat, and I called this, this guy's buddy and I said, "Hey man, tell you tell you buddy, I got um, my females in heat." And uh, the guy got nervous. Because I kept the papers. He got nervous that I was going to take the dog back from him. So he ghosted me. Wouldn't let me breed to it. So, about, so anyway, I sent her back home with Chris. Mm-hmm. And Chris bred her to his Cholo dog. Um, which is a... Cholo is a... Cholo is off of Carlos. And Big Carlos is off of Ridgeland Jimmy. Okay. So, um, so... That's what these pups are from, and and that female that I sent back to him just had pups off of Cholo, which nice. he probably when he hears this, he's probably going to text me and talk bad to me because uh, he didn't he didn't want the whole world to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, they're going to know. Yeah, well, you know, you know, like he it is the way it is. He he knew in advance what he was getting into being my friend. All right. How did he know in advance? Everybody warned him. <laughs> Me and Chris didn't get off on the right foot when we first kind of met each other. Okay. We, uh, yeah, we didn't get off on the, on the, the, the right foot um, because of because of my mouth. And and I use it a lot, and I'm loud when I use it. And uh, when you, you talk, when you talk bad about non-brindles, to a man that's got a yard full of non-brindles, it ruffles with some feathers. <laughs> I'm sure it does. But it all worked out. He finally realized that I was a pretty good old boy, and and uh, you know, now I got a yard full of his stuff out here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's since you dove head first in these camera dogs, and let's talk about a little bit more. You got a hunt coming up. Yeah, um, I decided. I like I said before. Uh, Back when I can't remember what year it was, oh, 2008 maybe. 
Um, Terry Snyder come to me, and then uh, Mr. Joe Suber, an old older friend of ours, an old coon hunter, um, and said, "Hey, let's start a squirrel club." So we we you know Daniel Bauer come in, a couple of the folks. We got a squirrel club started, and we hosted man over ten or twelve years. I don't know two hundred hunt. We was doing we was doing a hunt a month. Some months we were doing two hundred. Wow. Um, we were hosting a lot of hunts, NKC, uh, UMCA and, uh, OMCBA. Um, so I, I just had the experience of running a hunt. Mm-hmm. So since I've gotten, you know, so deep into the cameras and with my, just the way I'm wired, like I said, whatever I do, I do 150%. And so when I dove into the cameras, I, I, I had to do it 150%. And, um, from years back, I, I knew, you know, Mr. Van Roberts is the vice president, Mr. Gene Montgomery's president. And I've known him for, for years, even though I've not owned registered Kimmers, they knew that, you know, my dogs were mostly Kimmer, half mm-hmm. Kimmer, whatever. So we still engage the conversation. And of course I, you know, with me and my non-Brendel albino, Brendel type, type, type riprap, they, um, you know, you know how it is. We just all went back and forth on, you know, social media teasing and whatnot. But mm-hmm. so once I dove in and, and actually got um, registered timbers, Bama is a KSBA only where honey and all the pups are dual registered. OMCBA, okay. I can hunt them in both. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I can register them in both. But uh, the, the KSBA, they have two, two hunts a year, spring and the fall, and that's when they do their meetings. And like I said, I went to the fall meeting down in Hamilton, Alabama. And, and I mean, I had, I hadn't, I hadn't been to a hunt since last year's Jamestown world hunt, OMCBA world hunt at Jamestown. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you, I was so disappointed. It was terrible. It was awful. I, I rolled in, I went up to Dwight just not to get off the subject too much, but I went to Dwight a couple days, maybe three or four days, five days before the hunt. And me and him had hunted. He took me in some of the worst mountains I'd ever been in. <laughs> um, maybe not ever, never, ever want to go back. Then um, I come down to, and stayed with Gerald a couple of nights and we coon hunted and we squirrel hunted and some more stuff. And then I went to the, I said, Hey, let's go over to the world hunt, you know, see what they got, go see who all is, you know, in the, in the night hunt. We pulled in. Now, now, I will say they had already drawn out. Cass had already left. But previous years, you know, just 18 years ago, after the draw at the coon hunt, people everywhere sitting on the porch talking, waiting on the coon hunter to come back. These people camped with, with bonfires going. And, you know, there'd be people on the, on the porch of the clubhouse picking guitars and, you know, Lights going on, playing cornhole, always something going on. We rolled up there, and there was one person sitting beside a fire. There was no vehicles in the parking lot. I walked into the clubhouse with nobody, nobody in the clubhouse but me. Jeez. I was extremely disappointed. So we left. And uh, so years, and, and there was a lot of years that the KSBA <clears throat> They they really just weren't doing very good. Mm-hmm. Popularity was, 
you know, some things went on. I'm not going. I'm not going to mention or get into it on your podcast. But there were some things that went on, and there was a lot of bad blood floating around. And you know, there was a website dedicated to Kimmer haters, and and you know, <clears throat> and it was an ongoing. I mean, it was a known fact that some of the some of the KSBA hunts would only have two or three dogs. Yeah. You know, people people would drive hours to a hunt, and there would be you know, one cast maybe. So when I got invited to this hunt in Hamilton, um, I didn't know what to expect. I, well, I did. To be honest with you, I expected, you know, 15 people there maybe. And when I pulled up, man, it was folks everywhere. They had a vendor set up. Um, man, I mean, it was just, the, the grounds was beautiful. I can't think of the club, but it's a, it's a coon hunters club there in Hamilton, but they open the club to any hunting dog um, club that wants to host. You know, you can rent it. Okay. Um, nice. To do your, you know, I guess if you were having a field trial for bird dogs, you could use their facility. You just pay them. And, I mean, beautiful, big lake, like a cabin type deal over the lake is mm-hmm. nice. <clears throat> big turnout. I mean, I was extremely impressed. It was very well organized. For, for an association that only does two a year, yeah, you know, I mean, you go to a club, I mean, I've been to enough hunts all over the country. You can tell a club that don't host many hunts and a club that does. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a little chaotic. You know, yeah. it's not very organized. You know, this was extremely organized. Well, well, I mean, food, good food. Um, they had shirts to sell, T-shirts. Uh, I mean, hats to sell, decals. They had a separate place to, to your entries, separate place you could register your dog, you could pay your membership fees. I mean, it was just, I mean, I had a great weekend. Um, I didn't stay the night over there. I drove over there um, on a Friday. When they drew out the coon hunt, I came back home. I got up and went back over there at daylight and hung around all day. So, after that, I had met a lot of the guys over there that I had, you know, talked to. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was there, Mr. Gene and Mr. Van, I, I'd been talking to Mr. Van Roberts on the phone a good bit because, I, you know, with me being at one time president of the United Mountain Curse Association, I just I just had that type of experience. Mm-hmm. And so we just, you know, we chat on the phone, you know, here and there about, about the KSBA and growing membership and things of that nature so anyway at the hunt you know i said man i said y'all, y'all should have more hunt if you're having this many people and as a joke you know i think mr gene said well okay well yeah when are you gonna do it you know and i was like no not me hoss you know what i mean <laughs> uh you know i, I just want to go to the hunt and and i come home and was hunting and i and it just there again it's just the way i'm wired it just got to just got to boiling in the back of my head you know i had such a good time and met such good people that maybe i could help you know one thing that i i am kind of good at is running my mouth and and promoting stuff you know um i I spend a lot of time i have a lot of i have a lot of downtime at certain times of the day so that i can you know i do stuff a lot of stuff on social media and and um, 
when I'm hunting, I do a lot. I do a lot of my posting while I'm hunting because I'm sitting on the wheeler with on dogwood trees. Um, but uh, anyway, I thought, well, maybe, um, maybe I will have a hunt, just a coon hunt only. And you know, in my area, maybe that there, there's not a lot of camera guys, but there there's some OMCBA dogs. Mm-hmm. Even though they couldn't hunt, I'll get them to guide for me. I'll get my hound guys to guide for me. And I got good spots, all private. I've got tons of game, and I'm going to do it September the 9th. I'm going to host it from my house. By that time, the corn will be tall. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe that'll give folks an opportunity to come to a KSBA coon hunt or hunt that normally wouldn't get a chance to. So I, I called, and I, I called Mr. Gene, and I said, look, what if I did host a hunt? Would that be okay? And and the way KSBA does things, they they, I guess the way any organization does things, they, you know, I asked about having the hunt. Of course, they had to get with the board, get approval, mm-hmm. and anything that I wanted to do, they had to get a board. You know, go. They had to present it to the board, get approval. So it took a little time to work out all the kinks, but I finally got it worked out where, um, I'm gonna have a just a it's a no club affiliation i i'm i'm just posting this club out of my little farm here um we're gonna call it the cane creek classic and um it's just gonna be a ksba sanctioned coon hunt and the way they do their coon hunts is the way they do their point system they don't have a point system it's cast wins so people that people that come and hunt the cast winners the the win because it's a sanctioned hunt that cast win is going to go towards their making the dog a night champion yep now they'll still have to go to one of the two KSBA main hunt club hunt and win their first place they have to win a first place you know you got to have I don't remember if it's three or five I think it's three cast wins and a first place finish okay so they can get to cast wins here so uh uh, my homies down in Florida, um, Zach Conkey and Corey Davis and them at, uh, you can't say that I, name. <laughs> well, I'm just teasing. I can say that name. You might not be able to say that name. That's Zach. <laughs> that's Zach. No last name. Zach. It's, uh, it, let's just say my homies Zach. I got, <laughs> you know, I, I, Zach is Man, he was one of the greatest dudes that, that I've gotten to be friends with. I mean. I'm right he, there with you. He's, he is great. He literally helps anybody, anytime. I, I probably talk to him, I don't know, maybe once a day, every other day, sometimes three times a day. just depends on what he does. You know, and, and you know, um, being that I am a senior pro staff for Zach, my friend Zach. <laughs> um, we bounce ideas off of each other back and forth. So um, we come up with some um, Camera Stock Breeders Association T-shirts with mm-hmm. my friend Zach's picture on the front, and he used my my Bama dog. Um, I'm sure I know you've seen them. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got them to where that anybody can 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 get one. Yep. Um, normally, I would 
say where you could, but anyway, <laughs> people can figure so, it out. Yeah. I, um, no, actually Zach texts me. He goes, I guess we're selling Kemmer shirts. He goes, I just got my first order for two. <laughs> I seen a guy post on the post today that uh, on yep. the, one of the Kemmer boards that he got his, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was Tracy Robinson posted, but, uh, I saw so I'm somebody gonna, did. So yeah, well, I'm gonna shirts, have, though. they are, they are. I, I've got some coming of those and I'm going to be giving those away. I'm going to be giving some away as prizes. And I've got some coming from myself and my family also. And I've also got the same exact shirt, but in saying, instead of saying Kimmerstock, it'll say, you know, post that. Okay. Um, made aware. But um, what about my other sponsors? Can I mention them? I know. <laughs> Fine, yeah. Um, so John Andrews with Iron Spring Distribution uh, and Showtime Dog Feed is providing He's sponsoring my dog food. Nice. Um, so, so I'm gonna try to give every dog that enters this hunt a sack of Showtime dog food to take home. If they already feed it, great. They'll have an extra bag. If they haven't, they'll have a bag to try. I've heard good things um, about it. So, um, another. I gotta get. I got. To, I, if I do not mention one of my my homies. All right, my road dog, Cody Moreland. If I do not mention Cody, mm-hmm. all right, he's going to come over here and choke me out. <laughs> all right, Cody Moreland, most everybody knows, mm-hmm. um, with the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. Yep. A uh, really good friend of mine. Uh, they do a great podcast as well. They do. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy their their podcast every Tuesday. He um, He bought a laser engraver. And he, and he he had I think he had an NSD hunt that he hosted, and he made his own plaques mm-hmm. out of wood and laser engraved, and they looked awesome. So I called him and I was like, "Hey, look, I'm gonna be having, having a hunt. Um, would you make my prizes for me? I'll pay you." And he's like, "Sure, I mean, yeah, sure, I'll make them." So we we've been going back and forth. So I, I'm gonna have um, I'm gonna have some Yeti cups. He's gonna laser engrave them. With uh, they'll have the Cane Creek Classic and you know the first, second, third, or whatever, nice. um, whatever I decide to do. I, I'm going to give prizes to the top three dogs, even though really it's just the cast wins that count mm-hmm. for this hunt. There, there still will be a first, second, third place dog. Yeah, um, but uh, I'm, I, I want I want the hunt to be you know over the top. You know what I'm saying? I got yeah. everything I do is over the top anyway, but. Um, I want my first hunt by my, you know, hosting my hunt here, not with my, the club. I want it to be remembered. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want everybody to have a fantastic time. Um, I got places in the shade to tie out the dog. I've got a big pond out back. I'm going to let folks park around the pond and tie their dog out under the big oak trees. So, um, I'm going to – actually, another good friend of mine, um, John Dollar, he lives about 10 minutes from where the dog food is over in Wallet, Mississippi, and he called and offered to, uh, he's going to help me with the hunt, and he's providing all the food, so he's going to um, he's gonna be bringing some uh, already cooked Boston butts. He's going to prepare all the food and, and bring it over. So nice. we're going to be barbecue plates, baked beans. Um, that's my secret weapon. I'm going to get everybody full on barbecue and beans <laughs> before they go hunt, and then, and then uh, it'll slow them down. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope that 
that it'll bring some attention to the Kimmer dogs. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I mean, I mean, just, let's just be honest here. I, but because I'm hunting Kimmer dogs, that's, that's what I'm bringing attention to, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, I mean, it's a, no matter what happened with them in the past, no matter what other people think about them, that's their business, whatever they want to think. Uh, you know, I've said, I've said my fair share about the OMCBA, but, uh, I'm going to try to help them and promote them and bring some attention to them and some awareness to the, to the Kimmer dogs and, and, uh, you know, uh, just see if I can do my part. Yep. Well, that's awesome. And I look forward to seeing how everything turns out. I'm sure you're going to have a great hunt. I wish, yeah, I, I wish you weren't, I, I you know, I, 15 hours from me be a little easier to get down there but uh well you could fly here and i you could crash <laughs> at my house uh i could make that i can i know people i could probably make that arrangement i i almost have uh our buddy zach talked into coming here for the hunt there you go yeah yeah uh, i'm enticing him with all these um numbers of coons that i've got you gonna show him what a good dog is well, I don't know about that, but I can show you what a good cur dog. They got, they got. He's got some pretty nice. Like he's got, he's got uh, more of a uh, smorgasbord of dogs than I've ever had. Walkers and blue dogs, uh, blue dogs, and and I, I hear that uh, oh, Corey is even um, has even mentioned um, getting a pup off of Bama oh. one day. One day, maybe down the line. There you go. Well, good deal. We're going to start wrapping this thing up because this is the longest podcast I have ever had. We are good. <laughs> I, I, I almost made myself a point to make you go over your time limit. I don't have a time limit, but uh, <laughs> we did that. We did my usual times, 45, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. We're, we're well past that. So I told you I got a lot to say. And that's all right. <laughs> So, but I, I really want to personally thank you. Like you said, you, you are, you are good at promoting things and I, and every, almost every week you're very consistent, you know, constantly sharing my podcast. You know, when I launched my shirts, you, you bought them posting pictures of you wearing them. So I just really want to say thank you. You give me a lot of feedback on episodes that you like. And you've helped me line guests up. You've been very helpful. You've been very helpful in promoting. So I just really want to say thank you for all that you've done for me and helped me through through all this having a podcast and everything. So absolutely, I appreciate it. it it's I'm, I mean I'm you know I'm honored to to be able to to be on them. You know, really, I mean some some of the guys listening, they may not you know so many folks out there they don't they don't know who I am. I'm a nobody, but. Um, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. I, I enjoy listening to them. I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm able to help and and give you. Uh, I tried to get you hooked up with uh, the old grouchy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> old grouchy Tim. But I'm still working on it. Yeah, uh, Tim, Tim Tim Cope. I know you're listening, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was right there. He came and met me. Uh, then he he was like, Nah, I don't want. To, I'm out of the game. Yeah. I, he, uh, it's not, it's not just you that he's, he, that he's, he's turned down. Oh, uh, no. He, uh, 
He, Tim, Tim's another good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine over the years. He's helped me with a lot of, lot of um, advice. And, and Tim, for me, is one of those guys that when I do something really, really stupid, he'll laugh and talk bad about it. And then he's going to call me on the phone and he's going to give me a what for and tell me not to do it again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like when I really do something dumb with a dog, uh, he's just that, he's that, he's that, you know, he's that voice in the back of my head going, yeah, I know you're going to do it, but don't. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I know you want to get off here and I, I appreciate well, you having me on. I, I enjoy the podcast um, and I, I'll try to, uh, uh, I, I try to help all the, all the podcasts really, you know, uh, Cody and Chris and them, um, you know, I mean, I—they're I, good friends of mine. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. Nate, you and I have not—we've not been able to meet, but we've known each other for a good while. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm glad to be able to help. Um, and uh, you know, I, look, the 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 uh, the hoodie is my wife. My it's gone. My <laughs> wife, first time she wore it, I'm gonna have to get me another one. Um, well, they're still it, available. It, Super, super well, good luck tonight. Uh, I know you said you're going to go take Bama out for a little stroll, so hopefully you go yeah, treat yeah, a whole my, bunch. My, my, my buddy Jeremy's going to open the door and look at me twice. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing he's wanting to throw boots on and, and uh, load the wheelers. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, well, uh, man, I, but I sure appreciate you. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.